I'm Matt Bush with BPR News. I'm speaking with Western Carolina University political scientist, Dr. Chris Cooper. Chris, as always, thanks for coming on with us. Thanks for having me, Matt. So we're in the redistricting process right now. There are a lot of maps out there. Let's just talk about the process here first, because there's obviously a lot of speculation going on on what's going to happen. Everyone's sort of analyzing each of the individual maps, but take us through where the process is right now and why people shouldn't overreact to some of the things they're seeing right now, which I think is maybe the big takeaway right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I like to think of this, you know, where we're on the process, we're sort of the top of the seventh inning, if you're a baseball fan, or about to enter the seventh inning stretch, and then it's going to kind of get real. So to catch you up thus far, um, the census data obviously dropped down to the kind of micro level that we needed. We know that we're going to have 14 members of Congress moving up from 13. The committees in the House and the Senate, redistricting committees, met. They agreed to the criteria. There's a lot of different ones. The sort of headliners are they can't use partisan data, they can't use racial data, and they can protect incumbents when possible. So partisan data, not using that's really not very controversial. The lack of use of racial data and the inclusion of incumbency protection, those are a little bit more controversial. So they've held 13 hearings throughout the state, one for each congressional district. Of course, the one for the 11th congressional district was held in Jackson County, Western Carolina University. They have also agreed to the universe of potential county clusters. This is just for the General Assembly side. It essentially says which counties have to hang together. There's still a lot of possibilities, but they've at least agreed to the universe of possibilities. Right now, what's happening is they have what's called open drawing. So if you get onto YouTube, you can actually watch People draw maps on a computer in the General Assembly. So this is sort of like you've been on Google Docs and you can sort of watch somebody make changes in real time. It's like that. But if the outcome wasn't some paper you were writing, it's, uh, it's something that could change Democratic representation in our state for the next 10 years. So you can actually watch them change. You can watch them move little maps around. They can watch them move lines around. But there's a ton of these maps out there. And so there's been some attention, I might argue a little bit too much attention on specific maps that have kind of eye-popping features. Once all these maps are out there, the General Assembly will then take those, decide which maps to actually consider in real time, they'll hold one more hearing, and then we'll get to sort of the end of the game where they're really going to decide on the map. So again, a ton of maps out there pay attention to them. It's interesting. It's important to pay attention to the process, but please don't get fixated on any individual map. How many official maps, I guess, have been submitted that the General Assembly Committee that's looking at the at this is going to consider to come up with the final? It, it's still under, it's still happening right now. So this, this map drawing period is for two weeks. And so I'm not sure what the number that has been formally submitted is. Um, but you can, again, you can go to the General Assembly website. The process of the map drawing is very open, um, which is a good thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions about the process. Like you can't use partisan data when you're drawing the maps in the building. But are people using partisan data and drawing, say, test maps at home? We have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing, obviously, what somebody has in their head. So if I'm a General Assembly member and I'm drawing district lines, I may not be using partisan data. But you can bet that I know where the Democratic and Republican leaning precincts are, certainly in my own district. And so uh, that's why a lot of people think that not using partisan data is a good thing. 
but it is by no means a guarantee of a good map. Define a good map for us. You know, that's a it's a great question. Um, and I like to think of it, there's no one criteria, um, which I think folks find frustrating sometimes, right? They want to say, okay, that a map that meets a certain threshold on some metric is good or bad. Um, but we actually use a lot of different metrics. We use a lot of different thresholds. And I, I think I would argue that we actually do this in more parts of life than we realize. So I was on a mountain bike ride the other day with a friend who um, is a forester. And uh, they were arguing, they said, this isn't a very healthy forest. And I said, why? And they pointed to like four or five different things about the soil, about the trees, about the invasive species. And I took that person at their word. In the end, this wasn't a very healthy forest. Sometimes I wonder why we expect redistricting to be different, why we think there should just be one metric. And if you're above that line, it's a gerrymander. And if you're below it, it's not. I think the reality is we need multiple measures and multiple ways to look at this problem just like we do in many other things in life. So again, to look at what's out there right now, I think in particular in the 11th out here in the West, there's been a few maps that have shown some fairly drastic changes to the 11th, one of which would include a lot of Watauga County, including the campus of Appalachian State University. That would obviously very much change the partisan makeup of the district. But right now, basically, everybody should not overreact to anything they're seeing. A lot of this is just proposals so far away from actually becoming reality, right? That is exactly right. There are a number of different proposals. There are lots and lots of maps out there. Different people are going to draw them. They're going to have some eye-popping features. Um, you, If you want to, you can find a map that has a seven, seven map, seven Democrats, seven Republicans. You can find a map out there that is going to be 12 Republicans and two Democrats. You can find a map that's going to put most of Watauga in with Buncombe in the 11th. You can find maps that don't. So, look, we should be paying attention to the process. We should know the universe of possibilities. And we should remember the universe of possibilities is very large. One thing that is starting, and that is early voting for the elections that are actually going to take place this year, next month. We start early voting on Thursday, October 14th, the day you and I are speaking. What's on the ballot this year? What kind of stands out to you? And, and why are these elections the ones that you know really are, have a lot of significance and importance to people? And they are unfortunately elections that most people are forgetting about. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So in, in the counties that make up the current 11th congressional district, there are 263 people running for 190 seats. So these uh, are often mayors, they're municipal elections, they may be councils. So we do have some competitive ones here in, in some pretty interesting places. You know, I would sort of point people to, to Maggie Valley, Silva uh, is a good example. Silva has um, four people that are going to be running, five on the ballot, four really running for two slots. And Silva is also a great example for why off-year elections, as we call them, matter. There are currently two people on the Silva Town Commission who were elected by a coin toss. So we had tied elections. We flipped a coin, actually flipped a coin three times. And uh, the person who won two of those three ended up on the town commission. You say, okay, well, why does that matter? Silvertown Board, is a good example, has voted to add a police officer, has had a tax increase, has, of course, engaged in lots of really controversial discussion about a Confederate monument in town. So if one more person had showed up or not showed up to vote on either one of those elections, we might have a very, very different set of policies coming out of this town. 
Now, Silva is just one town, but the same story can repeat across the state. In 2019, there were over 60 elections in the state of North Carolina that were decided by five votes or fewer. So that's like a, you know, a decent sized family showing up or not showing up can really produce a different outcome. So I think people should pay attention to these elections because local policies matter, but also because if you want your vote to count, you have no higher probability than in an off-year election like 2021.